I say, and do not gratify the desires of the flesh. For what the flesh desires is opposed to the spirit, and what the spirit desires is opposed to the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to prevent you from doing what you want. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not subject to the law. By contrast, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against such things. This is a word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So I want to begin this morning in, in thinking about the, the weeks following that I want to kind of live in Galatians for a little bit. So take time to read that letter if you'd like over the next few days and weeks. But I want to begin by reminding us that the Christian life on this Pentecost Sunday is to be lived together. The Christian life requires real, tangible, face-to-face, actuated, shared, mutual loving relationships. There's no such thing as a private or personal spiritual life apart from those who sit with you today and who sit in pews around the world today. We are in this together and that is the only way that we can come to understand what it means to follow Christ. There's a great word of our faith that's not in our scriptures but I think is very present and it's a Greek word koinonia. And koinonia is a way that we describe the fullness of community, the mutuality of it, that you and I are are kind of one in this together through Christ. And I thought that's a wonderful word to remember on this Pentecost Sunday, the day that we remember the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about and to consider what it means to live with the spirit of love in all things today. Over the next few Sundays, as I said, we'll be in Galatians. We're going to talk about this kind of community Now this letter that was written was written with the intent for a particular community that was dealing with a a particular problem that was straining their unity. Paul writes to a group of Christians, Jewish and Gentile Christians, in an area called uh, Galatia, a a region north of the Mediterranean Sea. Now obviously Jewish Christians had grown up exposed to beliefs and customs that nurtured them throughout their whole lives, but the Gentile community had not. And so sometimes conflict grew between these folks. As more and more Gentiles came into the faith, they they came without the same spiritual or religious background as, as those who had been in the faith before. And this often created these tensions of what was or was not required to be a follower, and that's the background of our text today. And the result is is that that sense of community, that that koinonia is in danger of being divided and strained. And so in the midst of this, Paul writes a passionate letter reminding them to have a spirit of love and based on the issues of what it looks like to not have a spirit of love. In these particular Galatians, they were divided by two competing ideas about what a faithful life in Christ looked like. To the extremes of these divisions, some believe that their freedom in Christ, well, meant they could do whatever they wanted to do. That they were covered by grace and forgiveness and we can do, the world is our oyster. And to the others, they believed in a strict following of all the laws and the scriptures and 
Not one letter should be ignored. And to one side, Paul says, of course you can't do whatever you want. That makes no sense. You can't, you can't just do what, gratify all your wants and your desires. Grace does not allow that. And, and, and there's come one point where he says, not everything is good for us, physically or spiritually. He points out to them that often what we desire is opposed to the Spirit, as we hear it today. And to the other side, he says, no, living strictly by all the rules, following all those, doesn't make you any closer to God than anyone else. And in fact, you're, you're trying so hard to do everything that the Scriptures say that you've, you're imprisoned by them. And you're not able to follow the Spirit. And the ignition point here was the rite of circumcision. And whether or not new Christians needed to be circumcised or not, it, it wasn't a trivial matter. The ceremony is called the Brit, and it has been going on in Jewish communities and families for 3,000 years now. And it has its origins in Torah and Genesis 17, where God commands Abraham to have this right done for all males in the household. And under Jewish law, to not do it meant that you were subject to the penalty of karet, or being cut off from the community of God. So as we might infer, this is an important right. Other conflicts erupted around food and cleanliness, but this was a significant issue. Even so, taken as a whole, Galatians offers a clear message that Paul is frustrated by this. That they're allowing this one thing to divide them. He's vociferous. He is, he is agitated as he writes this letter. And his opposition to all parties involved. Not because he thinks there's something wrong with it, or, and not because he thinks it just needs to be ignored. But the problem here is patterns of thinking. They're trapped in, in old ways of understanding what it meant to be people of faith. And that now what had divided them between Jew and Gentile had been removed by Christ. They're blinded to what the Spirit was now doing, this new thing. Neither circumcised or uncircumcision is anything. But a new creation is everything. So at the core of this message, Paul wants to make the case that our freedoms and our ethical leading must neither be ignored. We can't live by following all the rules. That we must be spirit-led. Come to terms with understanding Jesus in our own time as it relates to such things. Now, this idea of being spirit-led has had me thinking a lot this week about how much I talk about the Holy Spirit with people. What do you know of the Holy Spirit? What do you tell people the Holy Spirit is? How, how do you explain that to people? Do you? Do we talk about the Spirit in our, in our language, in our conversations together? think a convincing argument could be that we in the mainline church, well, we don't spend a lot of time talking of the Holy Spirit. I think it in myself here too. If you were with us, with us last week, though, you remember that Jesus said, what is he ascended? I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit to guide you now. This is how you are going to traverse this life. This is how you're going to know that you're with me through the Spirit. So do we still believe that? Do we believe that it's by our knowledge or do we believe that it's by the Spirit that we are led? We get tangled and we can get divided over things that we can or cannot do, should or should not do. 
In fact, we seem to perpetually find good ways to divide and get encamped and encumbered by opposing ideas or knowledges about what faith looks like. And I would offer that sometimes we're rather comfortable speaking or defending or making our case of faith. But how comfortable, how common is it for us, how, how prevalent it is for us, you and I, to talk about the Spirit and what it's doing. It's my observation of myself and Sometimes we're uncomfortable about talking about God's grace because to do so only means that I have to share with you what brokenness God has healed. To talk about how the Spirit works is to talk about what I have been forgiven of. Can you think of the last time you spoke to someone about the Spirit? About what the Holy Spirit is doing in your life and among you. What God has saved you from or saving you from or or redeeming you from or, or guiding you towards. What is it that keeps us from plainly and simply simply sharing our faith and what God does? How is it that we can be more comfortable talking about what divides and what is keeping us together? So I want to ask a question today that's in your bulletin. I'm going to expand the question just a bit, though. But why does it matter to you that you're a follower of Christ Jesus? Why does that matter to you, and why does it matter to you that the Spirit is among us? I'll come back to that. But if it's by God's grace, and if it's, if it's through the Holy Spirit that we are guided and justified and redeemed, if we readily acknowledge that it is by, only by grace that we are redeemed, that we do nothing to earn it, how is it that we're not shouting that from the rooftops? On this Pentecost Sunday, We celebrate the birth of the church, the coming of the Holy Spirit. That's what this day is for. We celebrate that the entire Christian community around the world is united by the one God and the one Holy Spirit that we baptized in the name of today. One Spirit. Even if we perpetually find ways to divide ourselves and differentiate or to even split, the Holy Spirit has one job, and that is to keep us united. That is what it's always working towards. We do not celebrate today that we're all of one mind, or one experience, or one language. Cole read for us a wonderful story that on Pentecost, people of many voices were heard. Many languages were heard. Many human experiences represented. So we are defined in our unity by our differences, by our diversity. This is who we've always been. And in our differences, in spite of all that wants to divide us, we are of one Holy Spirit. Now Paul is speaking this community and divided over a ritual of faith. And reminds him that there's one thing necessary. One thing. A one thing that, that defines our koinonia, our community together. And that is to have a spirit of love in all things. A life of freedom. A life that is unfettered, a life that is found completely free, is not found in completely abandoning nor overly adhering to what we know about the rules of our faith, but by living by the Holy Spirit, where mutual love produces kindness and gentleness and patience, self-control. And then there's an afterglow, right? 
The afterglow for Pentecost was something like fires, tongues of fire above their heads. And I think the point is that once the Holy Spirit works through us, we can see it. There's something that changes about us. That we can't help but share with the world what the Holy Spirit has done for us. So back to our question. Why does it matter that you are a follower of Christ? And why is it important that the Holy Spirit is among us? How do we answer? I recall a book that I read many years ago. It's called Unbinding the Church. And in it, Martha Grace Reese asks people why that being Christian and spirit-led was important to them. And here are some of the words she heard. A relationship with Christ helps my life make sense. Being in a church community gives you a way to serve others and to keep growing. I used to be so afraid. But with my church and with God, I'm learning to trust people again. I used to feel guilty about the mistakes I made. But Christ forgave me. My church friends still love me. And I want to help others to know this too. And one last person said, life with the Spirit is exciting. Did you hear those words? Are those words that we use? Being a Christian helps make sense out of life. It helps us find that we're part of something bigger in ourselves, something that's eternal. It builds trust. It makes us a part of something where we know forgiveness is true, and it excites us. As far as I can read, following Christ and lead, being led by the Holy Spirit has no downsides. It's all upside. It's all good to live within the Spirit. No, not everything is positive. We have our flaws. I know that I can be a hot mess at times. We get things wrong. But we're more than these things. No, we will never agree or find one human experience that works for all of us. Conflicts will arise, but we are known not by those. We're known by the fact that we are united by the Spirit. We're never going to argue or litigate ourselves into heaven. And we're never going to do it to keep anybody out. Most things will never be black and white. Sometimes we lean too far this way and sometimes we lean too far that way. And we will be discerning the will of God for the rest of our lives. But we believe that we have a guide. And it's the Holy Spirit. And this is what brings us alive. Now, of course, we should not allow sin to become our, our natural inclination. We should never lord it over others with our personal righteousness. Instead, let us better learn to live in the freedom of the Spirit. And may that give us life. So what do you say, church? How about we make a commitment to speak of what the Spirit is doing among us? To tell the world, tell those we know what good things God is doing among us in our lives. Let us spend time each day in prayer, meditating on the Holy Spirit, and let it speak to us. Take every chance you have to both taste and to offer the fruits of love and kindness and goodness and gentleness. And I believe you will hear the Spirit speak in those things. And perhaps more than anything the world needs now from us is the Holy Spirit came across a story this week on, about a confirmation Sunday in a church and the confirmants had learned the Apostles Creed and so they lined all the kids out they had a kid for every single line of the Apostles Creed and they were going to show off 
And so each child would have a stanza of the Apostles' Creed as it was said. And when it got to the time where the Holy Spirit was to be said, or I believe in the Holy Spirit, there was silence. And the pastor was concerned and confused and couldn't figure out what's going on. Then finally, one of the little girls raised her hand, the one who believed in Jesus. And she said, well, the little boy who believes in the Holy Spirit's not here today. Sometimes I think the church is the little boy. Sometimes we forget to show up and say, oh, we also believe in the Holy Spirit. Today on Pentecost Sunday, you are invited to show up in the world this week. You're invited to go and let the world know that we believe in the Holy Spirit. And here is what the Spirit is doing among us. Here's what the Spirit's going to do among these children. Here's what the, child, the Holy Spirit has done with these folks who are graduating. Here's what the Holy Spirit is doing, and it is good. Thanks be to God. Amen.